Hello, I'm Zeb Newworth, and welcome to Creating a New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas, bold solutions, inspiration, and a renewed sense of meaning and purpose in their journey to advance patient-centered, customer-oriented, value-based healthcare. The views I express on this podcast are solely my own and do not represent the views of any other person or organization that I may be affiliated with. Folks, uh, the focus today is on strategy and healthcare. And let me just say that we are not talking about strategy at a theoretic or academic or policy level. We are talking about uh, what is happening where the rubber meets the road at the cutting edge of healthcare delivery, what is happening now. Uh, and uh, we are so fortunate, I feel so incredibly fortunate to have a guest on the show, Dominic Maffa. He's the Chief Strategy Officer for Geisinger. This is a super treat as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Geisinger, for those of you who are not familiar, has been and continues to be one of the leading provider groups, integrated delivery network systems uh, in the country uh, and quite honestly across the globe. They have for years been way ahead of the pack, uh, truly a pioneering organization and uh, deliver just uh, outstanding care. Um, let me just say a few words about uh, Mr. Maffa. Dominic is uh, Geisinger's executive vice president and chief strategy officer. He's responsible for strategic planning, business development, corporate communications, government relations, and mergers and acquisitions. He transitioned to Geisinger from a system-wide role that he had at Atlantic Care in Southern New Jersey, which is a member organization of Geisinger, where he served in numerous leadership roles since 1986, including senior vice president and most recently as executive vice president. He was responsible for system-level strategic growth at Atlantic Care and played an instrumental role in that organization's earning the very prestigious Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award, which they won in 2009. He has uh, lots of academic and professional uh, credentials. Uh, he's got an MBA from Temple. He's been a past fellow of the Healthcare Advisory Board Executive Fellowship Program. He's a graduate of the American Hospital Association Healthcare Transformation Fellowship. Uh, he's a member of the American Hospital Society's Healthcare Strategy and Market Development uh, Society and a fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives. Uh, let me just say on a less formal and more personal note, um, I had the opportunity to meet Mr. Maffa Dominic when I was visiting Geisinger a few months ago, um, and uh, in fact, uh, had the opportunity to meet some of his colleagues. And I just have to say, it is just an amazing senior leadership team they have there. Their chief medical officer, Jay uh, Rue, uh, their chief population health officer, Janet uh, Tom Savage, um, and uh, of course, uh, Dominic uh, himself. And uh, we, we, we did, I I, th I thought we actually hit it off. Uh, Dominic might tell you otherwise, but we, we had breakfast before the uh, guest lecture I gave. And it turns as it turns out, we both uh, have spent quite a bit of time in New Jersey. I was raised there. So we're kind of like Jersey boys. And, um, you know, and, and by the way, no turnpike jokes here. But uh, but we did bond over New Jersey. And even more than that, we bonded over a, a real kind of love um, for healthcare strategy, understanding the importance of it. And I was so inspired, quite honestly, by the conversation with them that I for months been asking him to uh, be a guest on the podcast and we were finally able to work it out. So uh, he's super, super busy and a lot going on and he's leading a tremendous amount there um, with his colleagues. So just so glad to have you. Dominic, how are you doing today? 
Hello, Zeb. I'm doing very, very well, and I really appreciate your kind words. It was a pleasure being with you, and it's great to be talking, having a conversation with a fellow Jerseyite. So, 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 Dominic, we did bond over being from Jersey. Is that am I? Is it fair to say that? I think it's very fair to say, and I spent my entire life in Jersey, both professionally and personally, until I migrated across the river up into the mountains, and now become part of the Eisinger family in a formal way up here. So, so Dominic, we. Um, you know, I really, it's rare, quite honestly, that I've had the chance to talk to someone who's had so many years of experience and such acumen, and you have such a depth of knowledge in the whole field of strategy. Um, so, so I want to, you know, kick it off by asking you, um, it's a big question, but I like to start with the why, um, you know, and, and so f- the first question for me, what's the, what's the why you're trying to solve for Geisinger in, in, and in healthcare in general, what are some of the big challenges that you see on the strategic playing field in healthcare today? You know, Zev, I think there's a lot of things that have been happening in our industry and just in the country in general. When you think about the condition of um, the individuals, let's just keep it on an individual level, um, in terms of the amount of chronic disease, the amount of illness and injury that is occurring because things that we are doing to ourselves um, and the expense that it requires to be able to care and cure um, some of the things that are happening. I think that it's an opportunity strategically for organizations like ours and for like others in the the country that are working hard to find solutions that are affordable, that are high quality, that are convenient and accessible, and that are taking advantage of some of the new technologies that are out there um, in terms of providing convenient, accessible, high quality, and certainly affordable care for the things that are going on. Um, I think it's a, it is a fascinating time to be in this industry because I think the speed of change is just, it, it's mind-numbing at the, on some days. Um, and I think I couldn't think of a better place to be than in the field of strategy in, in this industry at this point in time. I find it actually very uh, exciting, all that be it complex and confusing at times. I think there's no limit of opportunity in front of us. If you, Dominic, if you, thinking about it from a strategic perspective and thinking about the stakeholders and the and the forces in the market, what are um, what are some of the big forces that you you feel uh, you know we're being buffeted by in healthcare today? Sure, I think um, I first and foremost, and I think it's on everybody's mind, is the issue of affordability um, that. The expense in our industry has grown at such a rapid pace over the past couple of decades that we have to find a way to be able to smooth that curve. And if not um, beyond smooth it, turn it downward um, so that we can get that trend line moving in a different direction. Secondly, I think the issue of consumerism, uh, and I think that term may be defined by different people in different ways. When I say consumerism, I really think about kind of the end users of our service, whether that is somebody who's carrying an insurance card in their pocket, somebody who's receiving care at a clinic or in a hospital or in a, a, in a, in a emergency room, um, and trying to make that uh, convenient, trying to make it friction-free, if you will. Um, I think growing up in our industry, what I've discovered is that we've kind of set up this uh, bureaucracy, if you will, where it is just uh, you know, every time you turn around, you're running in as a patient, you are running into a hassle, um, whether that is through registration, through a lack of transparency, through a lack of clarity. Um, 
So I think consumerism as the consumer trend or consumer wave, I guess, in, in the country and in the world actually has started to change through the Internet of Things, if you will, um, access, convenience, transparency are all things that are right top of mind. And I think that applies equally to healthcare. And I think the organizations that can kind of break through that puzzle are going to be successful as they move forward. I think some of the other things that are impacting us right now are certainly, um, you know, the rapid speed of change in technology. Um, there are so many things that are happening in what we might call non-traditional providers or non-traditional uh, entrants into the healthcare marketplace um, that we have companies who are working in different areas, whether it's retail, tech, um, you know, or other segments that are looking at our industry and saying, there's a lot there. And if I can come and niche a piece of that, um, then I can make, you know, either make a return on capital, um, make it, you know, in terms of a consumer engagement standpoint. And I think for traditional players like us and like others in, in the country um, who have been around for 100 years, you know, they're kind of nipping at the core of your business. And you say, well, how are we going to respond to that? We have to become much more agile. So I think agility is another component that we need to think about um, as an industry. How do we become much more flexible and agile in responding to the needs of the consumers? So I think those are some of the things that, you know, that I think about. And of course, all of that is underpinned by, you know, the whole issues um, related to population health. And I think that's a term that a lot of us use. And I think there are probably as many definitions as people who use that phrase. Um, but I think when you think about it, it really boils down to the individual. How do organizations like ours be able to assist people in achieving and maintaining an optimal state of health? Um, and I use that word health as opposed to health care um, intentionally, because I think it, it's important to think about it in those terms. So, Dominic, I'm, I'm so glad you I mean, the, the things you listed off uh, starting, you know, this the issue of consumerism uh, and that that sort of movement within healthcare, uh, the use of uh, you know latest technologies to make again healthcare more consumer oriented, lower the costs of care, um, the issue of agility that you mentioned. So, and and as you said, there are other players. I guess you would call them new entrants into. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, so and and some of them are going niche, as you said, it's easy to sort of pick a small area and go after it and 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 and, and you know, reap some you know return uh, for sure in the short run. Do you so how does a system and, and again, Geisinger is not an average system by any means, um, you know, how does how do you, you know, as a strategist, how do you think about maneuvering given some of the new entrants i mean you have advantages um and you've you've listed some some challenges so how for instance the whole issue of consumerism and the issue of agility how are you going about thinking about that or or is it about execution or well i think there's a there's there's a lot in your comments there's i think part of what we've been thinking about and part of the way i think about it is that you have you get into a number of different make or buy decisions right so one of the issues are for an organization like ours with the, the legacy that we have and the experience and a number of different areas um are there things that we need to continue to invest in ourselves or are there partners out there with whom we can work um and learn some new techniques learn some new tools um learn some new approaches to being able to deal with it 
But I think even before that, I think the most important issue relative to consumerism is making sure you have the voice of the customer in your ear on a regular basis. Um, one of the things that, you know, I think is important is that we find a way to have the customer, whoever that is, in some cases it's a payer, in some cases it's the patient, in some cases it's the insurance um, member or maybe a student um, in, in part of our academic realm. I think having those people at the table with us to co-create so that we can hear their voice and understand exactly where the opportunities may be, I think is, is that's table stakes in, in this new world, I believe, that they need to be there and you need to find a way to track and trend kind of their feedback. And I'm going well beyond the notion of satisfaction. Um, you know, it's beyond, it's, it's to the point of engagement where you're really partnering with those customers in a way that you are developing programs and services and initiatives that not only meet their needs, but exceed their needs. And in some cases, they may not know exactly um, what they want, but together you can create something that's a little bit different. I think when you think about, you know, the kind of the building blocks um, of strategy, one of the things that I think about is value. Um, and, you know, value, this is not my definition, but I borrowed it from someone else. Um, but value is really a function of delivering outcomes that matter. And I think that's the key, outcomes that matter um, to the person or the group that you're serving and it, as it relates to the resources necessary to deliver them. So you work on both sides of that equation. My comments around the voice of the customer clearly get to the point where you can identify outcomes that matter. Um, the point about resource consumption is really about trying to find and identify and execute different and apply different tools that allow us to increase efficiency, um, to streamline operations, to find new ways to do things. And again, whether that is by ourselves or finding, you know, partners or relationships where that could be valuable because somebody else knows how to do it better, faster, cheaper. So you really, it sounds like that's a guiding principle for you that, that, you know, that one is the voice of the customer and the second is that that really kind of relentless focus on value creation and whatever it takes for you to create that value, that's the path you're going to take. That is the direction that we have embraced um, here at Geisinger. That is, those are fun, what I would call the fundamental dimensions or the fundamental building blocks of our overall strategy, the way we're creating strategy. Value really sits at the base. In addition to that, um, you know, we talked about consumerism. I think that the, the next piece that I would point to would be accountability. Um, as a healthcare organization, I think you need to be accountable not only clinically, but financially as well. So where we can learn to accept risk for populations, um, and I think the, the anatomy or the architecture of Geisinger, having both the care delivery components as well as the financing and insurance components, allows us to do that pretty effectively. Um, but, and then the last piece um, is the notion of integration. I think our industry has been suffering for decades, if not generations, um, through a fragmentation. Um, and a fragmentation is apparent every time you turn around or interact with our industry. The architecture, the anatomy of Geisinger that I referenced, when I talk about that, I think about the clinical care delivery that we have, the insurance and financing component that we have. Over the past year and a half, we've integrated a medical school and we have other teaching programs beyond physicians. And then we've done a lot of work over the past several years in research and innovation. 
When you think about integrating all those different components of our particular organization and applying them to being able to provide affordable healthcare services, to be able to accept risk um, for certain individuals or populations, to be able to create and deliver value, um, I think that's where you know you really are able to get into a successful um you know, uh, atmosphere or a successful approach to being able to deliver to the people that you're serving. So, so you know, when I hear you talk about that, and that, that very, very complex picture you just painted, uh, because you, it's not, you're not just doing one thing. It's, right. you're not a focused hospital that just does, let's say, orthopedic right. surgery or one condition like diabetes. I mean, you, you really serve the community. Um, and, and as you were saying, it's, it's, there's a teaching function and a research function. So those are uh, two other pursuits, which, uh, stand, uh, by themselves as an in, important and dependent. And yet you also integrate them into what you're doing. Um, and then of course your innovation, uh, arms that you have at, at Geisinger. So the picture I get is, 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 and tell me how you think about this, but I, I've been sort of thinking about this and writing about this for the last few months, but in the past, we went through an era of uh, what what it was called reengineering, you mm-hmm. know, using production system, lean process improvement, right. where you go through these flow patterns, and basically it's about efficiency. Mm-hmm. But in an ecosystem, I, I think that that reengineering, while you still need it because it, it it's clearly important on a, on a micro level to get the processes right and, and standardized and and you know drive out variation that is harmful from a clinical as well as cost perspective. But at the larger level, I think I think we need a different sort of thinking about the the ecosystem. And I I, I get such a strong sense every time I read about Geisinger or or speak to you know people at Geisinger or visit that you really have that larger ecosystem in mind, and you're you're using a different sort of approach. It's not just a reengineering approach; it's a almost kind of a reframing healthcare approach. And so. Uh, first of all, I just want to sort of exactly kind of right. check that. Out. I mean, yeah, I, I, how do you think about it? Because you're you're clearly thinking at a different level than where I think many people are still thinking about reengineering. You're 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 doing that, but you're in a different zone. So what is that? So I, I think I, well, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and the way we thought about it is that when you define ecosystem, I think you've got to go outside the walls of the organization to think about that ecosystem because the the organization exists within an environment, and that environment. Um, is where you really need to spend some time. So we kind of waded into the conversation of social determinants of health, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you start to think about health as opposed to health care, um, you start to think about how can you really impact it? How far up the continuum can you get? And a great example at Geisinger um, that we have begun is our fresh food pharmacy, where we have really thought about how to manage and care for the chronically ill, um, very costly diabetic patients that we're serving, that we know very well how to bring those patients in and, you know, have repeat physician visits and they end up in the emergency room and we end up with, you know, an escalating, uh, you know, line on the graph, if you will, in terms of the expense necessary to provide them care and interventions and try and get them healthy. But when you go back to the very beginning and you think about, well, is there a way that we can actually stabilize, if not curb, you know, the disease entity itself. And to our fresh fruit pharmacy, what we've done is, is started a pilot, which we are now in the process of scaling, where we took a look at chronic diabetics and said, is there a way through using food 
um, food as medicine, as, as um, Dr. Feinberg refer, refers to it. Um, but is there a way to use food and education and teaching um, as a way to try and impact that disease? And remarkably, um, in a pilot that we started, we were able to provide fresh food um, at no charge to diabetic patients and their immediate families, teach them how to prepare it, how to shop for it, and frankly, how to consume it um, in terms of apportionment and things like that. Um, and remarkably, we've seen significant changes in terms of metrics, in terms of A1C measurements for these patients, in terms of obesity rates for these patients, and have discovered through our pilot that by providing food, um, at, at, again, at no charge or a certain number of meals per week and teaching uh, patients how to prepare it and, and to shop for it, that we've been able to impact that in a way that is so remarkably different um, on the expense scale than what it would take to care for those patients had they not been making those behavioral changes. So you get into the behavioral component, um, if you will, in terms of the individuals and how to impact that. The other piece within the ecosystem um, is the whole area of genomics. And you know, what we have been doing through our MyCode initiative, where we are sequen we are consenting individuals to participate in genomic sequencing. Um, we have a 20-year history of electronic medical records here at Geisinger. We serve a rural population that doesn't have a lot of uh, transitions, if you will, People, families stay here for generation after generation. So when you're able to consent greater than 90% of the people that we ask um, to have their genome or uh, sequenced and able to match that up with a generational electronic medical record of family members, you're able to then create interventions for those medically actionable gene mutations, if you will, um, and be able to really start to change what health and healthcare is all about. So we're now actually taking that MyCode initiative and thinking about how can we incorporate this uh, MyCode initiative into the, the mainstream of primary care throughout our primary care components so that it's not something that is separate and apart, but it's actually part of the uh, care model and care continuum within our primary care practices. So your, your reference to ecosystems, Zeb, I think is great because it really starts to, to kind of take the walls down of the organization and say, you don't exist in isolation. You exist within an environment, um, and there are many other environmental factors that one has to be paying attention to. You know, I just think the picture you just painted is is so so beautiful. I mean, you went from food and uh, you know literally farming and food and and bringing it to to the table, something so basic as that, to literally diving into people's DNAs mm -hmm. and all of that is part of the larger ecosystem and so non-traditional, right. right? It's This is not what you thought a hospital system would be doing, but it has to if it's going to deliver on its promise to the community of uh, really uh, improving health. But let me just, let me just, and I want to I hear your more thoughts about that, but the, pharma, the, the pharmacy, the food pharmacy. So if I was a diabetic and, and I'm, I'm in the Geisinger area, and mm -hmm. um, so would you be delivering these fresh fruits and vegetables to my home or do I go pick them up someplace? How does this work? And I know you just published, I think it was Andrea Feinberg who just published a yes. paper. Was it in, was it in yes. JAMA? 
in the journal? I think there, there have been several pieces. So there, you, you may have run across it in a couple of different places. Um, but we have, it was a pilot that started. Um, individuals would come into uh, the, you know, fresh food pharmacy spelled with an F as, as a farm um, and pick up the food um, and then would be attending classes about how to prepare that food. And one of the unique things personally that I thought was, was unique about the program that we started is that this was just not about the patient. It was about the patient's immediate family. So think about that family unit for a minute. And, you know, a, a diabetic patient who, you know, has got other family members at home, um, not being isolated, that they're, they're eating something special just for them, but rather they're preparing food um, for and with their family, their immediate family unit. So then you have that immediate familial support system there, um, along with, you know, that, that provision of food and that education about how to do it, how to prepare that food. Um, and then think about how that dietary uh, kind of menu of that, of that person starts to change, what those desires are, um, and they learn how to shop differently. They learn how to select different food products differently um, and begin that lifestyle starts to change very, very quickly. Um, so that that and it's really been amazing. And as I said, I think part of the, the challenge now for us in programs like that um, or how do you bring that now to scale? And how do we take that program that started as a pilot and begin to scale that in a way that we can really make an impact for um, not hundreds, but thousands and eventually ten, tens of thousands of people? That sounds like a, a, a great uh, challenge to work on and so important, so meaningful. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, we talk about changing lives. I mean, what you just described is, you know, you're changing the way people shop for food, the way they cook food, the way they eat food together. I mean, this, there's nothing more basic in someone's life than eating and mealtimes and particularly in family life. So it's just exactly. it's it's such a great, um, uh, you know, kind of reframing of of healthcare and the healthcare system. So I, I really, I just applaud you for that. And speaking of that, in terms of, you know, the scaling part, when I was there a few months back and we were talking, you all were working on a project in a town uh, yeah. to, 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 to create a healthy town. And yeah. uh, you, uh, can you speak about that or? Sure. You're, you're, you're thinking about our springboard um, healthy Scranton initiative. It's Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, Scranton is a city up in the northeast um, section of, of Pennsylvania. It's a population of about 75,000 individuals. It is a town that has uh, somewhat fallen on hard times, a number of issues up in that town, but a number of resources up in that town. Um, a phenomenal place for uh, higher education, has higher education institutions, hospitals, uh, clinics. Um, it has other services that are up in that community, but a lot of social needs. So one of the things that we looked at was, is there a way that Geisinger could act as a convener, if you will, by inviting, uh, you know, uh, what I'll call social entrepreneurs or thought leaders um, from around the country and also from within Scranton itself, along with the social service infrastructure and the education infrastructure and the healthcare infrastructure of Scranton. And could we come together around a common table and think about how do we use uh, the resources that exist, um, the capabilities that an organization like ours might have, 
as well as some ideas from some of these national thought leaders um, around building a model to actually move the needle relative to the health of that population. And if we could, uh, could we develop the playbook that would then be able to be replicated in other sites? So we have received remarkable support and remarkable uh, cooperation and collaboration mm -hmm. is really the word amongst all the people who are invited to the table um, and really beginning to think through now, how do we apply um, some of that learning and some of the expertise to actually start to make an impact? What kind of people are around the table? What kind of expertise? You know, you said social entrepreneurs. Well, I think there, there are a number of different individuals around the table. There are uh, community individuals. There are leaders of educational institutions. There are uh, uh, people who are involved in entrepreneurial activity. There are leaders of other healthcare organizations. There are clinicians at the table, leaders of social service agencies that are at the table. Um, there's a number of different individuals who are really thinking through, okay, how do we deal with food insecurity? How do we deal with issues like homelessness? How do we deal with issues like um, there is so much data that's available. Is there a way that we could apply some of the knowledge relative to management of big data as a way to impact the health status of the populations? How do we use uh, Geisinger expertise in genomics through that MyCode initiative that I referenced earlier? Can we use that as a way to try and apply? And of course, you know, in, in a situation like this, I don't think that you can go broad and shallow. I think you have to narrow it down to just a few key issues um, and go deep into that so that you can think about where are the leverage points here. Um, and it, it's a fascinating initiative. Um, I think we are still in the early innings of that initiative. But as I said, the outcome we are looking for is really twofold. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, we want to make sure that we improve the health status of the people that are in, in and about the Scranton community. Um, that's the primary objective, obviously. The second objective is really to, to learn from this experience and develop the playbook, if you will, mm -hmm. that may be transportable to other communities throughout the country. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that idea of a, of a playbook or a blueprint that you could apply to other towns and cities would be, I mean, just such a great idea. Um, and, and it, you know, I, I, you know, I really, again, applaud you. I think the, the idea of taking people who are coming from various disciplines, it sounds like many, if not most of which are actually outside of the traditional clinical background. Mm -hmm. Right. And exactly right. And it's, it's, um, you know, bringing together and, and framing the problem up as you have. And I really like your focus. That's actually really, cause I was wondering about that because this is such a broad thing and you could, you, you, you get snowed in this really quickly and, and go shallow, but you're, you're saying you're going to try to find some high leverage, uh, areas and, and initiatives that can begin to make a big difference and you're going to have to go pretty deep. So, so let me ask you about that. As you sit around the table, I'm, I'm sort of in my mind, I see this table, I see the people and, um, and I'm just, I just would love to listen in on a conversation. And, you know, is there an example of a particular problem? And you, you mentioned a few uh, already that you've, you've sort of uh, really been focusing on and drilling down on. Is there, you know, like what would be an idea that would have emerged in one of these conversations? Well, think about, let's just think about food insecurity for just a minute. So if you think about food insecurity and you think about, you know, the, the you know, potential uh, limitations of the fresh food pharmacy from a scale standpoint, but then take that out even further and say, you know, are there opportunities here? Let's apply 
data, big data to, um, you know, food insecurity and think about, you know, we all carry those um, little scanning cards, right? That, you know, you scan your phone or you scan your key fob every time you go into a store so you can get those points and, you know, whether it's, you know, discounts off of gasoline or, or whatever it is. Um, you know, if there were with consent, let me just say that up front, with consent, if there were a way, and this is just a kind of a, a, a hypothetical, is there a way that we could somehow be able to use the information gleaned from those to be able to marry that up with a individual's clinical record um, in terms of care delivery, along with other societal factors um, in terms of what that person's, you know, uh, purchasing habits are, you know, perhaps outside of the grocery store, but certainly within the grocery store and be able to have a conversation through a health coach or a primary care physician, whatnot, with that individual, with that individual's family about, hey, you know, we, we noticed that you seem to be I'll make it up, you know, purchasing a lot of ice cream over the past few weeks. Um, you know, that's really not a good idea. If, you know, you're trying to lose weight, you're trying to manage your diabetes and all that. I mean, that that's an interesting, that's a very different conversation to have in a clinician's office or over, the, you know, with a health coach about what you're trying to, to accomplish. So when you start to really kind of let your mind get very creative and get, you know, really even further out there. You know, you really start to think of some fascinating connections. Now, there's also anxiety that goes with that, right? So we're in this in this era of privacy. And obviously, we all saw in the news last night that that Mark Zuckerberg is going to testify about privacy and Facebook um, to Congress. And you start to to wonder about the big brother phenomenon. But that's why I I couch my comments saying with consent, um, we want to make sure that you know, the individuals that we are working with are fully aware and that it goes back to that issue of transparency, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to be, we want to be partnering with individuals sure. um, around their health. So, so Dominic, as you're talking, I was going to ask you a question and I'd like to explore this with you. The question I was going to ask you was, you know, how, you know, given some of the challenges of the industry and, you know, there's been a lot of challenges, you know, criticism level that hospital systems and healthcare in general is too costly and it's too slow and it's not consumer oriented and, and all that. And the question I was going to ask you is, you know, so given all that, you know, it seems like such a major competitive disadvantage um, as there are emerging and new entrants in the marketplace like the Amazons and, you know, the Apples and, but, so the question was going to be, how does the industry transform itself from the inside? And what's interesting is I'm listening to you speak. It seems to me that you're, you're almost kind of reframing that whole idea of transformation. And it's not so much the industry is going to transform itself from the inside. It's actually you're kind of going outside. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's instead of focusing, I, I know Geisinger, just like other leading organizations, you have tremendous focus on your science and, you know, your medical expertise and your clinical expertise and reliability and safety and quality. So that's a given. I know you're doing that. Um, it's all under the hood and it, and in your organization in particular, it's stellar. Uh, but, but you, you know, what you're doing from a transformation perspective, um, you know, given, giving, given where, where things are going, uh, and, and what the market is demanding and the economy is demanding, you're 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 not saying we're going to fix ourselves by fixing ourselves. We're going to we're going to fix healthcare by, you know, bringing in people from outside, extending ourselves outside of the four walls, thinking about who we are and what we do in a different way. So it's it's almost kind of like this. It's just a very radical, different 
reframe of the question. I just, I'm curious what, what you think about that question of how does the industry transform itself from the inside? I think it's a, it's a complicated question, Zev. I think the, I like the, the notion of reframing. Um, I think thinking about it differently and saying, let's just isolate on total cost of care and what that phrase really means. Um, and when I think about it, you know, and I think what legacy in the hospital industry, people were thinking about it very vertically, very siloed. So the cost of a hospital admission, the cost of a physician visit, um, the cost of an ER visit, whatever the case may be. Um, I think now what we're doing is starting to turn that horizontally and saying, no, 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 it's not vertical. It's horizontal. It is the cost incurred um, to be able to, you know, care for a particular episode, um, you know, right from, you know, the identification of symptoms to a, a curative state or you know, and whatever is involved in that. And so whether that can be treated in the home, in a physician's office, in a hospital, whatever, it, wherever it is, but thinking about it more longitudinally rather than just episodically and vertically, that I think causes you to start to think very differently. So you think then, well, a hospital is probably the last place that I want to consume care unless it is absolutely positively necessary. Um, because, you know, that is going to be very costly, very complex. Um, I'd rather be able to move that further. So let me move it into an ambulatory setting, maybe move it into the home. Can I move it virtually? Um, so I think as we start to think about that, um, I think and that's where I think we end up with some of the challenges because um, the industry has grown up, you know, in an environment where the more you do, the more revenue you generate. And what we're talking about now is, the, first of all, in some cases, doing less, um, but in all cases, doing only what's appropriate. Um, and that's where I think the, the balance comes in. And I think that I, I actually think it, it's a good thing um, in a way for the industry that we do have, quote unquote, non-traditional or new entrants um, who are looking at our industry saying there are opportunities here because I think that makes us sharper it allows us to look more critically at what we have done. And, you know, it makes us look at, you know, our historical successes and say, well, maybe the things that made us successful in the past are not those things that are going to make us successful in the future. So we have to change. I love that, Dominic. That 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 is such a brilliant way of, of framing, uh, you know, what other people would frame as, you know, kind of. Uh, dangers in the market and concerns and you're you're saying hey these guys we can learn from them and riff off of them and elevate you know you know our value proposition by by thinking that way it's just it's really brilliant you know the other thing i really like, i just want to say you know you could have taken that um you know the community project you're doing and said we're going to do it for the entire region but you know very very strategic thinking i you know i think in terms of saying, no, we're going to take a, a small town, a relatively small town. We're going to focus there. And, and even in that small town, we're not going to focus on everything. We're going to focus on some real high yield opportunities and really nail them. And so really um, just a really smart way of, of thinking about going about these changes and this transformation. So I, I just, again, so enamored with the way you're thinking and the way that uh, you and, and, and your your team and Geisinger General is moving on this. It's it's really quite brilliant. But change, change starts in small steps. So I think one of the things that I think what I have found in my career is that trying different things and piloting different things, um, you know, in a small way and then moving it to scale. I think one of the things that, you know, 
I think the successful organizations in our industry are one of the things that they are doing are trying things fast. Um, so it is, you know, going to move on, try something. If it works, let's scale it. If it doesn't work, let's move on and try something else. Um, and I think that's important. And I think that's important not only in gaining greater efficiencies in, you know, the, the care delivery segments of our organization, but also um, doing some different things with, you know, the community um, partners that we have out there. So what if we were going to fast forward and this may be this may not even be a question you want to answer because it's, you know, the idea of looking into the future. I'm not a big fan of futurists and that whole genre, but mm -hmm. but do you have. And maybe this is contrary to even how you want to think about it, but do you have a picture of, you know, five years from now, what would, you know, an initiative that you're working on look like? What would, is there a picture, you know, or part of a picture or, you know, uh, of, of what good looks like in, in five or seven years from now? Yeah, I don't know, Zeb, if I could put a time limit on it, but I'll give you a couple characteristics that maybe we, maybe we could think about. So let's think about our Springboard uh, Healthy Scranton initiative. Um, what if at some point in the future that food insecurity was just non-existent up in that community? Um, that there was nobody who had a difficult time uh, paying for obtaining nutritious food. Think about, uh, you know, a population where, you know, greater than 90 percent, if not 100 percent of the people have been uh, submitted their DNA for genomic screening. And through that process, we've been able to identify and prevent um, you know, a, a late or, or, you know, devastating onset of a particular cancer um, so that we've eradicated that. I mean, when you really start to think about it, the opportunities I don't think should be um, limiting uh, our thinking. I think we should really uh, shoot for the moon, if you will, um, in terms of some of the things that we can work on. But I think, again, that you don't do that in isolation. You do it with people, with a community, with other community partners. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. What um, of, of the things that you are thinking about, if there is, you know, one thing that comes to mind, uh, is there something that you're really most proud of in the work that you've done to date? And it could be even going back to your Atlantic Care days. Is there something that really, you know, say I did this, I was part of this? Yeah, I think I've, I, I've had a, a very, um, you know, successful career and I've had a very enjoyable career. Um and a couple of things. I tend to be a very humble person, um, and I've been honored to work with some really great people. I really think about our industry from a team standpoint, and I have been blessed to be on some really great teams. Um, and one of the things, and you mentioned it in your introduction, in my um, tenure at Atlantic Air, one of the things that we did was pursue excellence through using things like the Malcolm Baldridge Quality Framework. Um, and it was an honor to be part of a team that kind of worked through that process over a number of years and achieved that national recognition back in 2009. Um, and I, it's, I have to say, as, as somebody in this industry who's been in the industry you know, more than 30 years now, um, that was right up there in terms of you know, one of the top highlights of my entire career um, was being part of a team who was able to earn that honor. And, you know, joining the Geisinger organization as we did um, as Atlantic Air two and a half years ago and having the privilege to join the Geisinger team up here in Danville is also quite an honor and something I'm very proud to be with a, with a great group of, of thought leaders and part of an organization that truly 
is trying to transform healthcare um, for the nation. I mean, that is really what we're trying to do and making that impact here in Pennsylvania, in New Jersey, and then hopefully beyond. So, I mean, there's just, I really think about this as, as, as a collaborative um, kind of uh, exercise. When I think of pride in terms of my professional life, I really think about it in terms of team orientation and collaboration, not so much signature work, um, mm-hmm. because I, I really do believe our, our industry is most successful when people collaborate. It is a team sport, after all. Healthcare is a team sport. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I, you know, I just have to say, if there's any organization in this country that could have a positive influence uh, on the national scene in healthcare, it's uh, Geisinger is definitely uh, up there. You know, I don't. I don't want to spend too much time geeking out on strategy, but <laughs> but you know, I, I, you know, I have uh, you know what I consider to be a world class strategist on the line here. And so, is there? Do you have a recipe, a kind of a rule of thumb, a strategy that you could share uh, with me, with us? Uh, is there some guiding principles sure. that you use as you think? Yeah, so I, you know, I had a, a great mentor in my early professional days who used to talk to me about keeping things simple um, and not making them more complicated than they need to be. And as I've gone through my career in planning and, and in strategic planning and strategic development, you know, one of the things that I have talked about is that the strategy in my mind consists of three different components. There's direction, discipline, and deployment. And, you know, my, my staff jokes about the three D's and they say there's a fourth D, it's Dominic. <laughs> you know, I said, no, I'm only working on three. Um, but, uh, you know, when I think about direction, and, and I try to simplify this with the folks that I talk to, you know, direction is about where we headed. Um, it's about vision. People might call it mission, purpose, vision, um, you know, overall objective. But where are we headed? Um, that's the directional piece. The discipline piece is, OK, if we know now where we are going, how do we create an organization structure? How do we identify um, tools that are necessary? How do we allocate resources that are needed in order to achieve that direction? So all everything you can think about from an operational standpoint would be in that discipline bucket. And then the third bucket, which I think is absolutely the most important, is deployment. Um, and I think we oftentimes think about and sometimes forget about even the best plans. Um, are failures if they're not adequately deployed. And by deployment, we have an organization here that, you know, embraces um, about 30, more than 30,000 members of our workforce. And deployment to me is achieving a line of sight where every individual throughout the organization understands where we're going, understands, you know, what tools are available to them and resources, and understands what their role is in the organization. And by that, I mean, you know, it's not what your job description is, but how you individually contribute to the success of the organization and why you're here. Um, so I think, you know, as I thought about strategy over the years and, and this model just works for me, it may not work for everybody. But, you know, the notion of direction, discipline and deployment is, you know, kind of my oversimplification, if you will, um, of how I think about the components of strategy and strategic planning. That's really good. I want to I want to go back and um, I, I truly appreciate your time. I know we're going to have to wrap up in a few minutes, but the you know the issue of um, 
as you work hard to reduce, um, as you were saying before, the last place people want to get their health care is in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they, they want to stay healthy. And that's what you're working towards um, in, in spades. Um, how how do you balance that with the real day-to-day demands of you know revenues and, and margins and stuff like that? How do you, in, from a strategic perspective, how do you think about that? One of the things that we're trying to do here, and, and, and it is not easy. I'd start just by saying it's very, very difficult. But one of the things that we are trying to do earlier in my comments, I referenced to kind of the anatomy, the architecture of Geisinger as it's currently configured. Um, and one of the things that we've been thinking about and working on for the past year or so is the notion of one Geisinger. And I'll put that in quotations. Um, but how do we start to think about the organization as an integrated uh, entity, if you will, rather than a, a you know amalgamation of a number of different parts? So. You know, when you think about it financially um, and having the benefit of having an insurance company as part of our anatomy, if you will, um, you know, allows us to say, okay, if it doesn't matter, you know, where the margin is, it gets generated. Um, The margin can get generated in a a couple different areas. So you may end up not having a margin in certain segment of the business, but able to generate that margin elsewhere. and we're starting to think about that in, in an integrated way. So that we're starting to develop scorecards and metrics that really look at the integration of the organization and whether the organization is making an impact on delivering value, on increasing the health of the population um, and serving the people that we, we are serving throughout all the communities that we have. So I don't know that there's an easy answer to your question. Um, but I think it's one of those areas that I think the whole industry is grappling with. How do you find that balance? You know, and it goes back to the points that you and I talked about earlier. I mean, the notion of, you know, kind of generating more revenue by the more that you do. We want to take care of people in the most appropriate setting, you know, right care, right place, right time, right resources. Um, that's what we're all about. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you. Um, switching gears a bit. Um Getting this is a question I, I ask uh, every guest because um, I, I really want to learn from you and you've got so much wisdom um, that you've garnered over the years. What was the best piece of advice uh, that you were ever given? Wow, um, one of the I probably was given a lot of advice over my career. Um, you know what? One of the best pieces of advice I was given by if I one of my um, one of my closest mentors. Um, was work on other people's agendas first rather than your own. And I thought, wow, that is interesting. And it's hard to do um, at times, not always, but you know, work on other people's agendas first. And you'll be surprised at how quickly your agenda will get accomplished. Um, and I think that that goes for, you know, a lot of, um, you know, the, the professional work. But I think the, the, the best advice that I, I ever received probably came from my parents as a youngster, which was be nice and do the right thing. Um, and, you know, it sounds simple, doesn't it? Um, but it's, it is something that I think if we can do that all the time, um, yeah. I think we would be you know, much more successful as a nation. Um, you know, be nice and do the right thing. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I, that's, that's really great. I was going to say something that, that all parents in New Jersey told the kids that, but uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Not sure every, I'm not sure every child listened, though. <laughs> no, <laughs> at least not in, the, not in the town I grew up in. Uh, where, hey, hey where, in, where in Jersey did you grow up again? I grew up in a town called Blackwood, which is in South Jersey in uh, Camden, or Gloucester County, and then spent some time in Haddonfield and then ultimately down the shore in Linwood and Atlantic City. Um, so I'm a South, I'm a South Jersey boy. And uh, for those that, that grew up, you know, North in quote unquote, North Jersey, as a South Jersey born and bred, to me, Trenton was North Jersey. And I know that that is foolish. Um, because for those that grew up in the real North Jersey, Trenton is South Jersey. <laughs> so it's really two different states. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Trenton was South for me. You're right. Um, so, so what would you like, um, is there sort of a, a parting statement or something you would like folks to take with them, a, you know, sort of a takeaway message, a, a call to action? What, 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 what do you have to say to people who are listening to this that you really want them to remember? Or Well, I, I, would, I would go back to the three Ds. I, I think the notion of um, direction, discipline, and deployment when it comes to strategy or strategic planning, I think is an important element for uh, you know your listeners to, to think about. Um, because I think oftentimes, you know, in strategy and strategic planning and business development, we overcomplicate things. Um, I don't know why we do, but we do. Um, and I think when we can simplify it, mm -hmm. we can really get to that last D, which is deployment, because we want everybody who's responsible to contribute to the achievement of the plan to really be engaged and engaged with it. Um, so I think, I, you know, I, I, I would leave it at that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was just reading uh, a book about um, uh, military and that in fact is one of the survival skills for leaders in the military is if you can't keep the plan simple you won't be able to get people to follow through with it right. and uh so it, it's a it's uh interesting that you you have that same sort of uh, message and it's part of your your you know three d's mm -hmm. if you will of uh, strategy um well y you know um Dominic, I, I, I am just, um, I, I know I'm going to, you know, I have to tell you this. I, I don't actually experience this uh, in these interviews a lot, but I have this feeling like I'm going to hang up the phone with you and I'm going to have a question and say to myself, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't ask him that question. Um, there's just, you know, it, it's just such a great opportunity to speak with you and to pick your brain and to, you know, hear you talk about the work that you all. And again, I know this is, you know, this is a multiple teams effort um, and uh, in an organization that has just a profound legacy of pioneering healthcare delivery and really, you know, showing the rest of the nation and the world, this is the directions we should be heading in. Um, so, you know, I just want to tell you how, how grateful I am. And, and I'll tell you this other thing, this is not an experience I have uh, as well a lot, which is you know, every time I talk to the times I've spoken to you and and others from Geisinger, the question that comes to mind, quite honestly, is, you know, shouldn't shouldn't you be getting this message, your message, the Geisinger message out there more? I mean, you know, clearly, I, I you know, I think it's important because I'm interviewing you and I'm going to post this, you know, publicly uh, on social media. But it, it just seems to me there's the lessons you you are experiencing in real time and the learnings are so 
um, so crucial and critical. Um, and, you know, just the work you're doing with the uh, food pharmacy and the, the uh, community project in Scranton and the genomics project. And um, I, I don't know, maybe you are getting your word out there, but it just that's the sense I have of it as I every time I, I talk to someone from Geisinger. Well, we are trying to, to get the word out, and I sincerely, on behalf of the organization, really am grateful for your kind comments, not only about me, but about the whole team and about our organization. Um, so very, very grateful for those comments, Ev. That's very kind of you. Um, but we are trying to get that message out. Um, but we don't want to lose sight of the people who are counting on us each and every day to care for them and to provide the security for them from an insurance standpoint and to provide high-quality, affordable health care and help them improve the, their health status. So, you know, our, our real focus is on the people that we serve and uh, we are, you know, always open for conversations and for visits and for sharing, you know, the lessons learned that we have had. Um, so happy to do that. And of course you have my phone number. So when you remember that question at later on tonight, just give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and I think your, your, your comment, your response to that was just so uh, you really walk the walk. I mean, it was, you know, keep it simple mm -hmm. and focus. And that sounds like, you know, that's everything you do. You, you, you sounds like you guys are taking that approach. So again, um, just want to thank uh, our guest, Dominic Maffa, the executive vice president and chief strategy officer for Geisinger for being a, a part of creating new healthcare, this podcast series and bringing us, you know, truly fresh perspectives, new ideas, bold solutions, and uh, in an effort to really create a sustainable you know, value-based consumer-oriented healthcare. So, and Dominic, one thing I do every episode is I, I, I feel compelled to also thank the listeners out there, many of whom are delivering care each and every day, doing the hard work you just alluded to of taking care of patients and others who are supporting those who are taking care of patients. So um, I have to pay homage to uh, to uh, the providers of care as well. And um, so, so Dominic, thank you so much and, and hope we have a, a chance to uh, chat again sometime soon. Thank you, Zeb. We really appreciate it. Be well. You too, Dominic. Take care.